0: Hi everyone online. Um, when I was preparing for this message, I also think of you, and um, so yeah. Um, so welcome everyone. We are in week three of the remedy for relationships, and it is a privilege to be here. I know I'm with you every week, um, but it is uh, an honor to bring today's word. And so in this series, we it's about one thing, right? It's about our relationships, and our prayer for us as a church is that we would grow and learn to be better neighbors, to be better friends, to be better lovers, to be better parents. And whatever it is, the relationships that we're in, you know, I trust that God's going to show us how to grow in our relationships and how to flourish, how to work through the difficult things so that we can grow together. And so last week, if you were here, um, promise spoke about humble relationships, and it was a challenging word because as Christians, we were reminded that we are called to minister by serving others so that we can make them greater, right? But not according to worldly standards, but make them greater in God's kingdom. And the hard part about this, this way of life is that it's not about us, right? How do we put the others before ourselves and our own needs, And so today's message is titled Gospel Relationships. And today we are going to talk about us, actually. We're going to talk about and think about our relationship pertaining to the church. How do we relate to the church? How do we relate to the gospel? We are going to look inwards, but we're going to also look outwards. But I think the most important thing I want you to remember is that this message is for all of us. Can we say this message is for us? Because it really is. Um, and so we're going to think of also about what makes our faith real, what makes our faith meaningful, and we are going to be sharing out of the parable of the lamp in uh, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. But before we do that, I would like to ask you guys a question. I would like to ask you, okay, what, why is the gospel good news to you? Or in other ways, is what makes the gospel good news? And I think to think about this, you, you're gonna have to think, well, what is it about Jesus Christ that attracts me so much? Why am I a Christian? You know, what would you tell me? If I, if I begged you right now to tell me the gospel and I gave you an hour, what would you say to me? Right, and I want you to think about this and we're gonna come back to this throughout this message. So let us now read Mark 4, verse 21 and 25 together. You can follow along. He, Jesus, also gave them, his disciples, this parable. No one lights a lamp only to place it under a basket or under the bed. It is meant to be placed on a lampstand. For there is nothing that is hidden that won't be disclosed, and there is no secret that won't be brought out into the light. If you understand what I'm saying, you need to respond. Then Jesus said to his disciples, be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear, for as you do, more understanding will be given to you, and according to your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation, but those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. Can I just see a show of hands? How many of you have heard this parable before? Don't be shy, awesome. So I think most of us um, have heard this parable. And so I think it's really easy to take what we've learned and what we've heard before and just think, all right, Justin, I got it, I got it. But can I ask humbly that we would try to understand this parable afresh, that we would try to hear what Jesus' audience, his disciples would have heard when Jesus told this parable. And so with this, um, I'm going to pray for all of us. So would you pray with me? God, we are here. We are ready to learn from you. So would you open up our eyes to this text? Would you help us to go deeper than what we thought is possible? Would you highlight this one new thing for us? And as we hear your word together today as your children, make your presence known to us and reveal your heart through this text as we listen. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to start by giving us a refresh on what a parable is so that we can better appreciate what Jesus is saying here. Now, We don't often comprehend parables because we try to understand it through our human logic. And sometimes I think we really try to find ourselves within this parable. And I think we often miss the point because parables, in essence, is all about God's kingdom and not really about us. So parables are really about God's kingdom. And so when Jesus talks about parables, he's actually talking about God's kingdom, and he compares it with ordinary daily aspects of life in which Jesus' audience would understand. So when we read parables, we read about banquets. You know, We read about the king ruling a land and what that looks like. We read about shepherding and planting seeds and what it's like being a farmer and how difficult it is to sometimes plant seeds. And so Jesus used these analogies and metaphors as a way to help his listeners understand concretely the intangible aspects of what God's kingdom is like. And for us, Jesus uses parables as a way of challenging us to change our earthly ways of thinking about God, about ourselves, about faith, and he causes us to look afresh about God's reality that is amongst us. And so with this understanding, let us read this verse by verse. You guys with me? Yeah? So, verse 21, Jesus gave his disciples this parable No one lights a lamp only to place it under a basket or under a bed. It is meant to be placed on a lampstand. Now, this parable begins with a very obvious and rhetorical point. You know, how many of us is going to light a candle or light a lamp only to immediately put it under a box or under your bed? Not many of us, right? And one commentator, I liked his sense of humor. He says that we don't do that because we might end up burning up the house, right? Now, it is obvious that lamps should be placed in a place where it can illuminate the room. But more important than placement of a lamp, Jesus is perhaps suggesting through this parable that the mystery and how the kingdom of God works should no longer be a secret, but it should be proclaimed. And so for those who were yearning and listening in Jesus' day, this was good news, right? Because the lamp was then a clear sign for Jesus' audience that God's Son had come into the world and he is going to illuminate the world. So Jesus continues in verse 22. He says... And he tells us, for there is nothing that is hidden that won't be disclosed, and there is no secret that won't be brought out into the light. This verse references a lot of the proverbial, proverbial wisdom that we have heard before. Something along the lines of, you can't keep things a secret because the truth will come out sooner or later. How many of you have heard that? In different ways, right? Different sermons, or maybe we were taught that as a child. Um, So I grew up in a very Chinese conservative Baptist church. So that's where I found faith. And since then, since I was 16, I was taught that, Justin, Christ will disclose all your secret sins for the world to know. And so don't sin, you know? That, uh, that was basically the message, and you can imagine, it, it struck a lot of fear, and to this day, I, I, I do live in fear. Um, and I think it's a healthy kind of fear, right? And, and I think most of us may have heard that kind of message, um, and I do want to make a side note that I think we have to take sin seriously. We have to confess sin because it does affect not just our spiritual lives, it affects every part of how we live life. Um, but remember, what are parables about? God's kingdom. So, so if for those of you like me have heard this parable taught to strike fear in us, I want us to just put it aside for now. And once again, I want to come back and, and let's think about this parable. What is this parable saying about God's kingdom? And so for Mark's audience, for Jesus' audience, this verse is clear that Jesus' coming is no longer a myth and it's not a secret, but a fulfilled reality. But another, I feel like, another secret that Jesus was trying to convey through this parable is that he himself is the lamp on the lampstand. He is the light that we can personally see, we can touch, we can know. And this light, the living Son of God, walks with us. And church, this is the good news that Christianity proclaims. So when Jesus was telling this parable, he was in effect telling everyone, hey, 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 whoever has ears, listen to this. God's kingdom is here. And all are welcome, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whether you're a sinner. Come and be a part of my father's kingdom and also come to know the light of the world himself. However, despite how good news this was for those listening, there were tragically that many refused to listen, including God's chosen people, as well as many of the religious leaders in that day. And so because of the people's hardness of heart, the kingdom of God and Christ himself remains hidden to them. And it is only to those who know how sinful, how desperate, how lost, how sick, They were that could come to know Jesus Christ Himself. So, guys, in in preparing this message, I I had I experienced a very beautiful shift towards how I think about the gospel. You know, I, I asked you guys at the beginning, what is the good news to you? And so for most of my Christian life, I thought the gospel was something I had to communicate. Right? I had the impression that I had to say certain things in certain order in order to properly evangelize. So, right, I had to tell people that Jesus died for our sins, he was crucified, and three days later, he rose again. And somehow, from that point, I had to tell my testimony. And then I had to ask him to church. Or else it's not complete, you know? And, but of course, in retrospect, in reflection, that, that is only a small, small, small part of what it means to be a Christian, And I think what's more important is for us to think about, well, it's not just our words. It's not just what we say, right? But it's how we live. Are our actions congruent with the things we tell people? Is our belief congruent with how I treat you guys? And I think that causes, that that is worth thinking about. But coming back to this parable, when I was preparing, I came to see and realize that Jesus did not just come to communicate good news, right? The gospel is not merely words or great ideas or a profound theological concept, but that Jesus himself, the person, the son of God, who is both man and God, he is our gospel. And so the good news is that Jesus Christ has come. The good news is that Jesus Christ embodies the essence of God's kingdom, and every good thing associated with God. So when we share the gospel, when we tell people of the gospel, we are effectively telling people about Jesus Christ. And as we share about Jesus Christ, people will come to know who the Father is, what the Holy Spirit is like, what it means to live in God's kingdom here on earth. And when we as Christians say that we have accepted Jesus Christ, it means that we've encountered him. We've seen him, we've touched him. He's spoken to us and we know by experience that he's good, he's trustworthy, and he is true. This is the good news and also what's good news is we realize that he walks with us. He's given us his Holy Spirit through whatever season we walk in. And he gives us the courage to live in this dark world so that it may be more bright. And he also gives us one another, and he gives us the word so that we may not be lost. And church, this is good news, yeah? And I want to read Colossians 1.8, and this is where Paul summarizes his mission. I know in Philippians and Ephesians he does that, and we share that a lot, but this verse, Paul tells us what his life is about. His life is all about proclaiming Jesus Christ. His whole life all the energy and strength that God has given him, Paul says that I want to make my life about teaching him, sharing about him, so that all may know and come to know him. And and I, I really want this for us as well. I, I want us to embody this mission over time in our lives. And so Jesus continues in verse 23. He says, Hey guys, if you understand what I'm saying, then you need to respond. This kind of urgency is repeated throughout the Gospels and throughout the New Testament because the Lord calls his disciples, that is us, to go beyond a superficial kind of hearing. This is not a metaphor. This is is a call to respond. And when we read this today, when we hear this right now, it's like Jesus saying, Vine Church, if you understand what I'm saying, would you respond today? Would you respond right now? Because Jesus is saying, Vine Church, you cannot afford to take the lamp off the lampstand. We don't have time for you to put your lamp under a box or to put it under your bed. For everyone that knows me, for everyone that follows me, for everyone that loves me, he says, proclaim me, tell others about me. In one of his famous letters to Timothy, Paul reminds his young protege what dark and terrible times they live in, which, right, is not very different than what we know now. In every generation after Christ's resurrection, the church has encountered its fair share of darkness, difficult times, but yet the church kept on proclaiming the gospel, which is, it's Jesus. They kept on talking about Jesus, and what sustained them was living with Jesus, walking with Jesus. And so this morning, I want to read this passage to us because I want us to be aware of what dark times we live in. I want us to also know that since the flood, human nature has not changed much. We are still consistently terrible people and sinful by nature. So 2 Timothy says this. This is, by the way, one of my favorite passages. Um, Andrew shared it with me once, and I was like, whoa, you know, it. To this day, I'm still thinking about this. So this is what the word says. We are perpetually surrounded by people who are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, holy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having an outer form of godliness, but denying its power. The reason why I love this scripture so much, the reason why I read it so much is it reminds me that I and you and I are not far from this. You know, these things that Paul is listing out, they're, they are godless postures of the heart, which is in our nature, which is at work in society, which is at work. You, I mean, you read this, it's painful, but you, you know what I'm talking about. And so what separates us from inhabiting and being and having these godless postures of the heart is whether we respond to today's word or not. It's a very thin line. You know, but the good news, the gospel, Jesus Christ, what he would say to us is, yes, church, You may stray, you may do evil against our Father, you may do evil against one another. We may be selfish, we may sometimes choose to live in the dark, but Jesus reminds us today that he himself, the lamp on the lampstead, is not too far within our reach, and that he shows us a way out of the darkness to live in the light, not not looking down on people, but to live with people, to live with Christ. And so, perhaps today, to respond beyond a superficial kind of hearing is maybe for us, for some of us, is not to be afraid. It's not to be afraid of the darkness. For some of us, is not to lose hope in our relationships. And I think one of the more challenging things for all of us is maybe to respond concretely is to not allow our hearts to be hardened. Because there are so many offensive things these days. I mean, our relationships, some of them offend us, right? A lot. And it's so easy to say, you know what? Forget this. I'm gonna just put everything back under the bed and I'm just gonna live my way. And I think all of us have gone through that before. And so Jesus says, church, if you understand even a word of what I'm saying today, you need to respond, And so the last two verses, Jesus leaves us both with an encouragement and also a warning. It's a double-edged sword. And he warns his disciples what happens when we don't respond, and he also encourages his disciples what happens when we do. So verse 24 and 25, then Jesus said to them, guys, be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear, for as you do, more understanding will be given to you. And according to your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation. But those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. Now remember, we're talking about what here? God's kingdom, right? I want us to think about that. So as a simple summary so far, if you're just tuning in now, um, the the good news is that Jesus Christ has come. He himself is the gospel, the embodiment of the kingdom of God. And he's asking us, how are you gonna respond? That's the summary right now. And so at this point, Jesus says, well, if you've understood, if if you understand God's kingdom, you've experienced it, you've tasted it, it's changed you, then you need to proclaim the kingdom. You need to proclaim Christ. You need to share and teach others so that they may come to know the gospel. That is Jesus Christ. And so the promise in doing so, according to these two verses, which is an encouragement, is that much more will be added to us. Right? Much more will be added to us. And what is Jesus talking about? Well, the much more is our continued ability to receive God's kindness. Right, the much more if we respond is to continue to be able to be humble and to be aware and to say that, Lord, everything in my life is from you. You know, to be able to, to continue to love one another. That, I mean, that in itself is some form of miracle. I don't know about you, but for me, it is. And so, Jesus is saying, if, if you are diligent to understand, how my father's kingdom works, then yes, you will understand because I will enable you to understand. If you are diligent and you want healing in your relationships, then yes, I will give you the wisdom and the courage to say sorry, to do whatever it takes to make things better. And so what we're talking about today, about the kingdom is, this is Kingdom Economics 101. You know, this is how our Father's kingdom works. When you give out, when you respond, more is given to us, right? And I think this parable helps us measure whether we're growing or not. You know, because if you are responding, you are giving, you're stepping out in faith, you're proclaiming Christ, then God will add more to us and you know when God is adding more to us. And so when we testify about who Christ is God's graciousness will be further added to us, and I want you to note this, not in proportion to our skills, or not in proportion to all the great things we've done, but just purely based on the generosity and kindness of God. And so, an analogy, if it helps you understand, is that when we became Christians, when we first experienced the grace of God, it's like Within our hearts and in our lives, we created, we made this great reservoir to contain all of God's goodness. And we grow because we live out of this reservoir. Everything that God has done, we remember. Everything that God has said, we remember. His promises, we hold here in this reservoir. Every time we give, we give out of the overflow of what God has given us. And I think that is what it means to respond. Now... This is the warning, right? Conversely, Jesus is saying, well, those who don't listen, those who don't respond with open hearts will lose whatever little or whatever they think they have. And Jesus is referring to those who have once experienced God's goodness and those ones who knew what God is doing, but they don't immediately share it or they don't proclaim it. They will find that everything that they had, everything that was in this reservoir will be taken away by Satan. In other words, it is possible for us to actually forget the good and merciful acts that God has done in our life. So it is possible that this great reservoir that we rejoiced in gets dismantled and it falls apart and and we have nothing to hold God's goodness. And so when we forget what God has done, our desire to proclaim him, our desire to love others, our desire to worship and to support one another diminishes in proportion to our forgetfulness. And spiritual forgetfulness doesn't, once again, just impact our faith. It impacts every aspect of our life, our beliefs, our convictions, how we treat each other, how we spend our time, what we think about, how we deal with life's crisis and challenges? Do we respond in fear? Do we respond in anxiety? It it affects everything. And actually, what I'm talking about is both a tragic and common human experience. But I think the saddest and most tragic thing about not responding is that we actually have a choice and a say in whether we forget or not. Because God doesn't hold us to Comply, right? He doesn't force us and command us, you have to do this right now. We do have a choice. And I think that also expresses why there's such an urgency in this message because God is calling us to respond, lest we forget. And as, as I said at the very beginning, today's message is for us, the church. And so I want to encourage us to approach this parable as our responsibility and our privilege to proclaim Christ with our life. This is not an option for those of us who are so courageous here. This is not an option for the few of us who feel called. This is for everyone. It's for all of us in this room, for all of us who are listening right now online. As long as you call yourself a Christian, if you say that you love God, then it is on us to proclaim him. It's not on Andrew. It's not on the pastor. It's not on those who serve, but it's for all of us. And this is our cross to bear. You know, when when the gospels talk about bearing a cross, I think this is one of them to show people who Jesus is because he is too good for us to keep hidden. So church, I want to ask you, what is at stake if we fail to respond to this parable? On a personal level, I've already said that we might forget. You know, we might forget everything God has done and that is gonna, that's a slippery slope. But another thing that is at stake is if we don't respond or heed today's message is that the church ceases to be. Now, let me explain what I mean. Right now, as we listen, as we sit here together, we are a living proclamation of who Jesus is. So I'm actually very happy when we go out of this place, when you guys leave. I'm happy because as you go back home to your different communities, we continue to proclaim Christ, right? And and, and that's why it's so beautiful. Now, so if we today, at the end of this word, we respond, then wherever you go afterwards, people are gonna see Christ through you. They're gonna encounter the living Christ because you're proclaiming him you choose to continue to remain faithful to him. But of course, the opposite is true, is if the church, if we do not respond today, if we ignore, if we just go on living our life, then there's a chance that those that we encounter will not see the light today. And I think the scariest thing for me personally is that if we don't respond, we risk the church becoming cold and apathetic, and forgetful, and the scariest thing I hear these days is when a pre-believer says to me, you know, Justin, I don't see a difference between you and I. I don't see a difference. Why should I be a Christian? Our values are similar. We live in a very similar way, but what is the difference is whether we respond to this word or not. That is what is going to make the difference, and as I share today, I sense some of us are doubting, and you are saying, Justin, how can I proclaim Christ when I myself am so broken? I, how can I proclaim it? I'm not ready. I just accepted Christ yesterday. Now, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But I do want to say that I think all of us are able. You know, it is precisely because we are broken that we can share Christ. Because our experience says that Christ is the one that saves us. Christ is the one that enables us. Christ is the one that gives us courage because apart from Christ, we can do no good thing. And so today, when we think about what are gospel relationships, I would say that this parable says that our healing, our, our, the healing that we are praying for in our relationships, our growth with one another with, as Christians is directly tied to whether or not we proclaim Christ or not. There is a direct correlation and I don't think it can be separated. We can't just say, ah, oh, you know, I'll ignore this one. And so it is my heart, church, that we would experience this parable for ourselves. Now, what gets me excited and what gives me hope is that I imagine all of us pledging our everything to God, and we ask him, despite our our sin, despite the excuses, despite our strongholds that hold us back, despite our brokenness, Lord, would you enable us to proclaim you? I wonder what's gonna happen. And church, I, I want us, because I believe with all of my heart that all of us have to respond. All of us are able to respond. So as a way of summarizing today, I want to share with us a few ways where we can respond with whatever little or much we have. I think in today's age, in light of everything that we have lived through as a city in Hong Kong, I think our kindness more than ever proclaims Christ. You know, things have been so binary lately, right? Everything's so black and white and there is zero kindness these days. And the thing that has just kept me humble in the last year is trying to survive the harshness is just to show people kindness. And that is how I've been preaching the gospel, just through going out of my way, doing something for someone, because people don't expect it. And through that, man, all the conversations that I've had with people, I mean, much better than saying, hey, uh, sorry, can I tell you about Jesus Christ right now? He died for our sins, right? I mean, that's one way. And there comes a time where we do share the the basic aspects of why Jesus died. But I want to encourage you that all of us can show kindness to one another, especially those who are closest to us. I know that's actually the hardest sometimes. Forgiveness proclaims Christ. I think one of the most attractive aspects of Christianity, the most radical And what makes Christianity so distinct is that a God would forgive us. And that forgiveness, it is the kingdom way to conquer evil with goodness. You know, it is forgiveness that has melted the hardest of hearts. It's moved empires. It's changed us, right? Because we know to be a forgiven person means that we need help. We need a savior. And all of us are in the same boat. Another thing is that our faithfulness proclaims Christ. You know, a, a lot of times, um, we all want to do great things for God, including me. But more and more, as I grow a bit older, I realize that I don't have energy to do great things all the time. I, I can't just move to another country and, and serve somehow. I, I need to just work with what I have. And, and the, the conclusion is that, you know what? I think what's gonna speak louder than just me sacrificing everything in my life to make a point is if I can show faithfulness and steadfastness in my life. You know, one of the most beautiful things that I see and that just completely melts me is whenever I see an elderly couple, they're like 80, 90, 100, whatever, and they're walking down the street holding hands ever so slowly. And you know what? At that point, I say, Lord, I want that. You know, not just I I want to grow old with my wife or partner or, but more so what they represent. They represent faithfulness. And I think if the world is going to think differently about Jesus and the church, then we need to somehow show steadfast commitment and faithfulness. You know, and I think it starts in our relationships, right? All of us, what do we want in friendships? We want faithfulness. We want some sort of commitment. We want just the other person to say, hey, I'm not going to ditch you. Let's just walk through this. You know, and of course we do, but that's, that's not the point. Let's desire faithfulness. And I, I think another thing with, tied in with all this is every time we just show up and we look at someone in the eyes, look at them in the face, and we say, hey, let's have a chat. Our presence also proclaims Christ by being Present by showing up, we're saying to the other people that you matter. Our time together matters. And as we meet, Christ is amongst us. Christ is being proclaimed. All of us can then interact and talk to Christ through one another. And lastly, our testimony proclaims Christ. To be a Christian is not to claim a title, it's not just to show up to church, it's not to be in an exclusive place where we come to, but to be a Christian along the same heart of today, is to show why Jesus Christ matters. To be a Christian is to tell people what God is doing in this world through us. And I think 99.9% of us did not become a Christian in a vacuum. There is that 0.1% that, you know, God came to you in a dream, and I truly believe that. But for most of us, someone bothered to take the time to pray for us. Someone bothered to befriend us, to tell us and show us kindness, to have a conversation about who Jesus Christ is. And slowly, our hearts changed, our thoughts changed. And so I want to encourage you to not to look down upon your faith, not to look down on who you are and what you have, but trust that God is at work in you and that just by waking up today, you are proclaiming Christ. We are proclaiming Christ. And so I want to just to conclude today. And just to say once again that the gospel that we are to share is not just resided in words. It's not great theology. But it has everything to do with Jesus Christ and how we relate to him. And as long as we have life, as long as we are alive, we are called to proclaim him. We are called to use an elementary school term. We are called to show and tell every single day with what we have. And as Christians, no matter how dark things get, we will always be relationally connected to Jesus Christ. We are always connected somehow to God's kingdom. God's kingdom is always at work in us, even when you forget. That is also good news. So church, let us not lose hope and let us all figure out creatively what it means to be diligent to proclaim him. Let's pray. Father, We are not as smart as we think we are. And many times we cannot contain so much information. So, Holy Spirit, just as we prayed before we came to church today, just as we prayed as we worshiped you, Lord, show us your heart. Show us that one thing. Lord, this life is not about me, it's about you. And so Jesus, would your, would your light shine through us? Would you be proclaimed through our words, through our actions? Every time we love someone, every time we forgive, every time we look at someone, Lord, would people see you through us? Father, would you give us the courage to just show up and know that you are working in us? And Jesus, shift our thinking. Father, it's not what we do, but it's the fact that we have the gospel, Lord God, and this is you. Lord, you are the good news. You are our greatest news, and we want to share it with everyone. So Father, would you show up when I go to work tomorrow so my colleagues can meet you? Father, when I go home, when we go home today, would you show my parents who you are? Would you sit down with the kids and I and would you pray with us? And Father, for for the relationships that I'm actually very scared to deal with, would you also come with me? And would you give me the courage to just be there together. And we know that you are gonna show up. You're not just good news, but you, Jesus, you are our life. And so, Father, hear our prayer. Would you become real to us? Would our words and acts be like a prophetic proclamation that we choose to put our lights on the lampstand so all may see. Church, can I ask you to stand? And I just want to encourage you just to respond as God has touched your heart to, And let us worship together.